Um, so I want to welcome everybody to our third episode of Rub and Elbows. This week we have a powerhouse couple, uh, Dennis and Yana Chernoff, that took the time to uh, join us and share a little bit of uh, their success and what they're doing. Uh, Chuck is actually a very close friend, so I'll let Chuck introduce them and then we'll get started with some questions. Well, I think everybody knows Dennis and Yana Chernoff just because um, you guys have made such a, a big uh, splash in real estate in the last few years. Um, so the Chernoff team, what's, uh, what else is there to say? Um, I'd like to do a, a quick little brief version of your story, how you guys got started, um, um, how, you know, your story, your, your journey. Uh, I'll start, I guess. Uh, last two, Chuck, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, so I started in the lending business, uh, gosh, in my junior year in high school as a telemarketer. Um, by senior year, I was a, a fake loan officer uh, running around LA County doing loans. And then uh, just got into the loan business for about seven years. So from the early 2000s to the 2009, uh, we ran a mortgage company slash real estate company. In 2000, late 2008, beginning 2009, we lost everything that we have because most of us did. They were in finance business and it got very, obviously very, very difficult. Um, and uh, I picked up the phone, made a couple of calls, met a couple of people on the phone and they said they wanted to buy some real estate because it was a recession time. So the deals were out there. Uh, and sold a couple of houses, and I said, wow, this is not so bad. You get to get out of the office, meet nice people, drive around, have some coffee in the middle of the day, uh, and uh, let me try this. So I, I joined Keller Williams Realty in Studio City. Uh, that was, I literally remember, I think November or December of 2008, um, and started practice, stopped loans completely and started practicing real estate full-time. We had our kids, uh, I don't know, two, number five, eight years ago. And Yana was home for uh, the first three, four years. And, uh, and then she, she joined the, the team and made our team amazing. <laughs> um, we, I was home for three and a half years with my children. And I come from a background of managing dental office. My dad, um, you know, he was a dentist and then he owned the dental laboratory. I started practically their business and then very young on started working at a dental office and quickly due to my experience in dentistry, learned how to manage and market and was basically running two dental offices simultaneously with a dentist and just built him up and using those skills and experience after I was home for three and a half years, I was like, you know what? I just saw the opportunity of dentist was growing and he needed help. He needed someone by his side to have his back. And so I decided to come on and, you know, just help out a little bit. This was never strategic full-time thing. I was just going to go on a couple of days a week, you know, help out with paperwork, but very quickly it turned into me being there full-time and managing and, and branding and, and, and focusing on marketing and structuring and organizing because he was just growing and I, I knew that he needed help and I knew that he needed someone who's going to have his back uh, financially, like in finances and stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. That actually brings me to, to my next question. I wanted to ask is since you joined the team, you brought this vibe, this new vibe that kind of wasn't there before. 
um, a lot of like glamour and beauty and sort of an artistic take to the photography, open houses, the big parties you throw. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, it was, it's, it's interesting because when I entered the real estate world, I found it so fascinating. I found it so much fun, but a lot of realtors, they lose that because of the stress that also that comes with it. So they can't focus on the fun and aspect of the industry. So, you know, after it started, it started out as a joke. You know, I started taking pictures of myself going to open houses and broker opens and very quickly, my Instagram account, I've grown Dennis's account and people were coming to open houses because they saw a picture of what I posted in an outfit. So it's, it's, it's very strategic. I don't, you know, it gives the brand the exposure and, you know, so, and I just, I, I love doing it. I'm, I'm a, I have a very fun personality and I guess because all the stress of real estate falls onto Dennis, I get to just like focus on the fun part of it. And it's not fair, I guess, I always say it because, you know, other realtors look at me and they think that, you know, I do it all that, you know, but it's not, I focus on branding, I focus on marketing, I focus on running the team and the internal operation of the team where I don't get as much, you know, stress, I guess, as Dennis does in the whole entire industry. So I'm able to do that. So let me ask you, uh, because obviously you've done an amazing job with branding. Um, we see posts and videos and uh, signs and things everywhere throughout the valley and, and in the city. Do you think that this actually added to the bottom line production of the business, the branding part of it? And, and if so, what tips can you give somebody that wants to start their branding, but really doesn't know where to begin? What are the first few things that people should do? I've, I've always said that you have to do everything that everyone else is doing. And then you have to figure out what makes you different and unique and focus on that and do more than everyone else is doing. You know, I'm very innovative in that sense. And I always see the bigger picture of it all. And I, I, I want to do what everybody else is doing, but then I never look at what other people are doing. I just, I just, you know, I'm like, let's go, let's do it. Let's just do that. Why don't, why don't we do this? And it turns out amazing. And of course, I mean, at the beginning of it all, um, Dennis and I were very back and forth. He's like, well, I don't know how the wife, if I'm going on a listing appointment and if, you know, the husband is following you on Instagram and seeing the pictures and the outfits, like how is the wife going to feel about it? You know, like if these are the questions that we were having at the beginning of it all. And but the bottom line is, is that it's a brand and it's an exposure. So the more people that you're able to reach and the more exposure that you would give to the brand using whatever you have to use, you know, whatever makes you special and unique and different. In my case, is you know, I don't know, like the pictures, the modeling, the outfits, the shoes, the purses, a lot of girls like that and they can relate to that. And so they do follow me for that. But then of course the real estate market, you know, gets the exposure because of it. Right, absolutely. So Dennis, do you do any of the, of the, do you tap in and try to get involved in any of the branding or do you just leave that all to Yana? Um, no, listen, I think, I think she has a big side of it. I, I do a lot of internal stuff that has to do with more magazines and letters and more of hands-on marketing and strategies of how we could get to certain brokers and certain agencies and certain business managers and certain accountants and more of actual business planning uh, where Yana's approach is, listen, let's give the house or let's give the property or let's give the team 
more, as much exposure as possible because it's really, it's all about eyes. Um, there's only, it takes one buyer, takes one client to buy a house, not 10, not 15. We're not selling a watch where, you know, a hundred thousand people could buy that watch, we could afford it. We're buying one house, we're selling one house that only one person is gonna end up living in and enjoying. And obviously that one person we need to find. And that's the goal with every property that we market is how do we get the most people to see it? Because hopefully out of that group of people that see it that day or that week, one of them will either A, transfer the information to their friend and family that is looking, transfer it to their business manager that is, that is representing them and, and will check it out, or transfer it to a broker that might know another broker that might know another broker that's looking for a property. So it's really connections, right? And that's what social media does. It connects. It connects everybody together. And it connects you know, the clientele that a lot of times a client will reach out to us and say, hey, that property looks interesting, but it's out of my price point. Now we have a client or a contact that's looking for a property that's not in this price point, but we have other properties that are coming up in that price point. So it gives us leverage and it gives us actual contacts to work with, to create something out of nothing. And right. that I, I say for any broker or any agent who's starting or who is trying to get in the business, it's really connecting the pieces. It's connecting A and B, what, what Chuck specializes in, right, Chuck? Uh, it's just taking something and going, hey, who do I have? Well, it's connected to this guy, and then maybe potentially that guy connects it to something else. It's contacts, and leveraging your properties to get more contacts is really our business. So. All right. you're, you're, referencing, you're referencing me, but I'm going to reference Bert. Because when I got into the business, Bert used to always say, connecting the dots. You got to connect the dots. And um, That's all it is. That's right. We're just a, a, a business of collecting dots. The more dots, more business. More business, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, your first question was, does the social media or does all this marketing and does it help? Uh, of, of course. Because, it, again, we're not talking about specifically selling that piece of property. We're talking about finding somebody who has a certain need that we could help find. That's it. And achieve their goal. Well, social media, so, it's very interesting. It's a, it's a platform. It's a free platform. It's, it's, and, and so many other pay agents are doing. And if you're an agent trying to make it in this industry, you, I don't think there is a question of whether you should do it or not. You absolutely have to do it, you know, because there's another guy who is doing it and, next door and he's going to get that exposure and you won't so you have to continue to do it you, you have to and besides you know instagram there's facebook there's linkedin there's pinterest there's so much there's so many different platforms and you absolutely have to be yeah. right. I actually i actually want to bring something up with regarding these platforms and rosaline cohen had a question too so i'm gonna uh let's unmute rosaline because today is may 1st when the uh cooperation policy is uh, supposed to be kicked in and um let's chat about that rosaline you had a question regarding the coming soon hey guys just to let you know i follow you a lot and i think you guys doing great job together and separately thank so you. it's a great combination and you have a beautiful wife thank you and talented <laughs> thank you. um so i see that you guys doing a lot of coming soon uh sherman oak studio city and uh, I like to approach that way as well for my sellers. And now that we're going to 
um, get the new policy, no coming soon. I was wondering if you have any um, new strategy for that. We're just having a conversation about uh, that. We're, we're starting our own MLS. It's going to be called the Chernoff MLS. <laughs> so we're... <laughs> Uh, the no, no more SRER or no more uh, PLA, but I, I, you know, we were talking about this earlier. So the coming soon, that we're on the MLS, we're going to be still able to list coming soon's, and on SRER, we're still going to be able to list coming soon's. So nothing is really going to change except potentially having that pocket listing that you might not be able to share with somebody else, right? So it's just going to allow more agents to see properties. And those agents are gonna be able to share more product with our clients. It's a disadvantage to us, right? But it, in big picture to a developer, investor, or seller, it's an advantage because now every agent is gonna see it. Not only the agency or the Compass or the Keller Williams, now every agent who might not be in connection with us on social media is actually gonna see the product. So yes, it is negative for us as brokers because we're not gonna be able to hold on to our product and only share with pe people we want. But for the sellers, it's actually positive because now every agent who is not connected on social media, is not connected on Facebook or Facebook groups or all of this other stuff, is gonna be able to identify that property and share it with their clients. So for the consumer seller, it's a huge positive, even though most agents are not making it seem that way. But for the seller, it's positive. For marketing purposes. For marketing it's, purposes, it's, it's, it's going to go in coming soon. And at that point, we're going to do the same thing that we're doing now, except it's just out there more. Um, and then you could also list it in MLS, CLAW, or the SRER as on hold. At that point, they can't do that anyway. So you list the property for one day, you put the property on hold. At that point, the, the, the board cannot give us any violations or anything else like that because it's listed and we cannot advertise the property without it. So there's a ways around it uh, to make sure that you still continue to do what you want. So I'm curious, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people here are, are very curious. We obviously all got hit with this, uh, um, this surprise out of nowhere over the last couple months, having to adjust working from home. Uh, having to adjust message, I'm sure, in branding and in other things. What kind of a message are you giving to buyer and sellers um, that are maybe afraid to either list their property now or agents that are asking, you know, what should we tell our clients? What, what's that message? Um, well, I'll, I'll go off. There's two, there's two different times. So I'll go in the first 30 days of COVID-19 and I'll, I'll go back to the last two weeks. The first 30 days after we got the news and you know, we were shut down, all of us, there was so much negativity. Uh, buyers didn't want to call. We had a, a ton of cancellations. We had a ton of renegotiations. We're still going through some um, in the current day today. They were still trying to either put the deal together or the consumer just canceled and, and even let go of their deposit without even caring for, for the big amount of money they have in escrow. But the last two weeks have been incredible. Um, we're busy. We have showings at almost all of our listings daily. Some of the showing, some of the properties that we weren't even showing that were listed too high before the COVID-19 were getting less showings than they're getting in the last seven to 10 days. I think this COVID-19 lesson, and I'm gonna call this a lesson, is teaching all of us families with kids, with future kids, a lesson that 
a life without a yard, a life without an office, a life without your own nest is difficult and is not what it should be about. Um, and I, I truly believe, I see this and I, I hear this from every consumer that we talk to, how much they want a yard now, how much they want a pool now, how much they don't want to be in the elevator with another family member. We're getting calls from New York, from Chicago, from, from all cold states that are stuck in their you know, you know, 40, uh, 40 story buildings that they can't get out of their apartments. We are getting so much activity the last week and a half from so much positive activity that, that this is definitely gonna be a huge thing going forward. Um, and yeah, so as long as, as long as they let us out and you know, don't put so much negative news out there, I think, I think we're gonna rebound really quickly. And I, and I truly, because again, I'm on the field every day, in the field every day, I truly see the difference in the last 10 days. With, with I think we all know so many people that live their life, you know, they, they prioritize. They think, you know, like, I want to travel the world and I want to go places and I want to be able to dine at the finest restaurants and buy whatever I want, but they live in their condos and townhouses. So this will forever be, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday and I said, we, we, we prior to COVID, we were living our life saying, oh my God, what if there's going to be another earthquake, right? We were all scared of the big earthquake. When is it coming? Right. And then we were scared of the 2008 happening again. Well, this is going to be another thing that all of us are going to be now worried about happening. And having that, you know, when you're scared of an earthquake happening, you're going to go and buy an earthquake policy, right, to protect your home. Well, if you're going to be scared that there could be another virus like this happening again, that they might not find a cure for another year or two, you're going to live differently. You're going to think of, you know, I can't live in a townhouse. God forbid this happens again. I have children. I need a yard. Like this could happen again. This happened. This could absolutely happen again. And we need to rethink the way that we live our life and, and prioritize, you know, home is going to become a more of a priority for a lot of, a lot of people. And I think people that have backed out of the deals are the people that were, you know, just looking to buy a bigger house or to relocate because they wanted a certain area. So those were not the necessities, but everybody who needed to buy a house, who needed to sell, who needed to, to you know, there's divorces that are happening. People are moving from different cities. They, their children are starting schools. Those are the people that are gonna need to buy homes regardless. Of course the market is gonna shift, but that doesn't mean that people are not gonna continue to buy and sell real estate. That's just, I don't foresee that happening ever. Right. Absolutely. So I want to dive in a little bit deeper on that and, and maybe more specifically, if let's say an agent um, on your team comes to you and says, you know, I'm coming across potential people that want to sell, but they're using COVID as an excuse to kind of hold back. Do you have a message that helps them overcome that or any kind of uh, confidence uh, to give the client? Well, I, 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 we show them, we show them what's going on. Right. So, and uh, again, I, I can only go back to the last 45 days. Um, the 30 days prior to the last two weeks, I would ask my clients, do they need to sell? If they need to sell, let's put their house on the market because there's active great buyers out there. That was the first 30 to 40 days of this environment. I was asking the seller, do you need to sell? Are you in financial hardship? Are you moving? You have a job in a different state. You can't afford, you can't afford the payment, the place is too small, whatever it is. If they needed to sell, we would put their home on the market. If they didn't need to sell, I asked them, let's hold off 
let's see what happens in the in closer to the summer. This should hopefully blow over uh, and, you know, and be very patient with that. The homeowners, and in the last two weeks, with the activity that I'm seeing, you know, we had a representation yesterday. Seller asked the same thing. Do I would love to sell the home. I'm ready to move to a different state or I have a job or whatever they said to us yesterday. I said, look, if you're comfortable with people coming in through your home, then let's do it. There's a lot of great buyers out there. Look, uh, my team, Bert, myself, Stephen, Kevin, you know, Greg, we, we all have great buyers who can't find anything because there's just a lack of inventory that's out there in every price point from 1 million to 2 million to 3 million to 4 million. And we just, there's nothing out there. There's not much available to show. Um, and, and you can't encourage fear. You know, there's so many people who are so scared right now and, and, and that's okay. You know, they need to wait it out. They need to ride it out. But as we are all in the same boat, we're realizing that the more time that goes on, the more, I guess, I don't want to say comfortable we're getting with the situation, but it's like sunk in already. We're realizing it is what it is. You know, there's nothing that we can do about this, you know, until the vaccine is in place. We're just going to have to like ride this boat the way it is, you know, and if you're scared and if you're don't want to, there's no word of encouragement of that. You know, you need to like be in your little box and until you're ready to come out of it, you know, you, right. you can't encourage them to sell their home if, you know, they're scared of what's happening in the world right now, as we all are. And yeah. speaking, of, speaking of these buyers, I, I think the buyers that are actually out there now are the most serious buyers. The buyers are going and jumping through hoops with the hand sanitizers and the masks and the gloves and going to see the properties out there. Those are more serious than the ones that are just strolling in, you know, to a open house or, you know, clicking on a link on Zillow or something. These are definitely more serious buyers. There was a great article by Curved, I believe, that talked about how the consumers are on Zillow three times more now than they were four months ago or the first quarter of the year. I mean, people are saving, people are searching, people are looking for properties. And, and I, you know, I, I'm a true believer. And again, I am an optimist and I am positive and I think I live my life this way, um, that we're gonna definitely see a really quick, nice uh, rebound. Of course, prices will shift a bit if everybody, you know, if we do see a, a, a huge amount of listings come on the market, at the same time, but I really think the next 60 to 90 days when we were coming out of this, we're gonna see a really nice uh, pickup of, uh, of sales, so. And I'm, cu I'm curious to know, uh, where do you see the market in nine months from now? Because there's a lot of people talking about the effects of what's happening today. We're gonna feel that in nine to 12 months. What do you think? I, I think it's all gonna depend on each market, right? I think every market has its life you know uh, we're in the valley so you know we we try to control the toluca lake studio city shimanooks encino tarzana neighborhoods if the sellers do not just start dumping houses on the market per their agents uh request and not reduce prices to the lowest and not negotiate because it's COVID 19 i think we will be okay if the homeowners are going to be listing the homes very aggressively and we're going to see you know more than you know six nine months of inventory on the mls then we'll definitely see a you know a five to ten percent price drop uh through through the area but 
at, at the moment, I could tell you based on our calls, there's a lot of buyers between the $1 million and the $3 million price point, which really represents the San Fernando Valley. Well, that's very encouraging because that's the uh, that's the sweet spot that everybody's always worried about. Because usually that's the the price point that gets hit first. Yeah. Um, so you know, from my I mean, even if the price point does get hit, I just don't. People are still going to need to buy and sell. Oh yeah. I mean, gosh, with this COVID nineteen, the amount of divorces that are going to be happening. I mean, I, I could just <laughs> I could just imagine like people cannot wait to get out of that situation and and sell. So you know, I don't you know prices go up and down it doesn't really matter people are still going to want to buy and sell there one thing we know for sure is we learn a lot about our spouses during this time there was a report that just came out sorry about that um that uh bankruptcy not filings but uh retainers with attorneys uh, consultation agreements spiked by the percent i heard didn't even sound real it was like by 300 percent in new york um, so there's definitely going to be, um, how do we say it's going to be assets. There's going to be properties that have to be sold. Uh, the ones that don't want to sell are not going to sell. The ones that have to sell, have to sell. And whoever's a buyer out there, that market yeah. can benefit from. And, and also again, and the, the hard part also is with lending. If, if, if the lenders are going to be open to lending and open to the programs that we've had for the last 12 months, you know, and the rates are going to stay low. I mean, there's so many factors. Rates go up because of inflation. Rates uh, go up because the secondary market doesn't want to buy the, the you know, the 30-year fixes, uh, 30 fixed loans at 3% and lower, then, then yes, uh, we're going to see the effect in the six to, t- six to nine months. But right. overall, if, if, if our government does their job and keeps everything close together, we will have a, you know, we will have a great year in our industry going forward. So my experience talking to successful people like you guys um, typically always have daily disciplines, right? You have your rituals that you do every single day. Um, Have you guys changed any of your daily disciplines? Are there anything that you're doing differently now because of the uh, COVID-19 uh, and everything I mean, else. Listen, we are in the same boat as everyone else. We have two little children. We are homeschooling them. Uh, we are still, uh, I'm, I'm trying to run the internal operations still for marketing and everybody else was working from home currently. And, and I mean, everything has changed and we just have to adapt. You know, we're no longer able to go to the gym and work out and have a date night and have a, just a moment to ourselves. So everything has shifted, but Dennis and I are very good about like getting on a structure and, and listen, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. It's not like we set it up and we follow it through every week. We're adjusting it and, you know, and, and we're very good about understanding each other's needs. And um, he knows what I need as a person, as a woman, as a mom, and I know what he needs and we try as much as we can, but no, absolutely. Everything has changed. I'm, I'm very confused how this is all going to go as a mother. You know, my children are now, now they're saying that, I mean, I believe Harvard Westlake just announced this morning, I don't think I told you that they're basically going remote for fall. And this means that I am home with my kids. We're in private school and I could potentially be home with my children till next year. That's a lot. And that's a huge adjustment. And I'm going to have to figure out a way to do this from home and be able to get out it's a lot. It's, it's very difficult, but I think it's very important to be 
structural to be organized and 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 just you know be there for one another because this is very difficult she gave you the clean version i've left the house three times in the last three weeks i said i'm leaving <laughs> I've, I've been kicked out no i've kicked him out oh, yeah, i've kicked, kicked him out. out of the house i told him if you're gonna go out there because you know first couple of weeks we were all so scared as you know i didn't want him to go outside period i'm like i didn't want him to go to to see people and he had to and i was like you know what if you are gonna prioritize work before family and bring you know whatever viruses home and exposing our kids to it and then ultimately our families we have moms we have dads we have grandmas and grand you know it's it's it, you're bringing that home and i'm like i would much rather have you live outside of the house handling your business and i'll take care of the kids and let's do that because i don't see this but of course that was just like i think we were all freaking out at the beginning of yeah. all of this so we we've been working on different structures she gets a half day with the kids i get a half day but it was impossible i get an hour she gets an hour that was impossible um, so we've been working on, again, this is just a working family between her and I, it's different if, if, if the wife is, is home or if, if she's taking care of the kids completely for us, because we're both working and for us that we both have responsibilities for our business. Um, we've cut out, you know, my, the mornings are my responsibilities at home. I'm home every day till 10 AM. I, I try not to take any calls. I don't even come out of my room she until 10 a.m. Yeah, she doesn't come out of her room. She I'm does like, her... I, I need my sanity. I need my peace. I need my quiet. I need my Zen mode and my little area where I don't have children screaming. I'm not yelling at them to do homework, work, and everything else. It's just my time. And that has helped tremendously um, for me to just walk out of at 10 a.m. and just, I slept in. I worked out a little bit, I got dressed and I'm ready, you know, and then he's very understanding of that, where his schedule before he was out of the house by 6 a.m. And, and now he, he adjusted to it because he understands that my needs are important, you know. So after after 10 a.m. it's my day up to up to whatever I need. And she's completely understood that. And so we've been doing this for about Not a week. A compromise. Yeah, we've been doing this for about a week now. And then it seems to be uh working for both working better good very nice so i'm gonna open it up to questions for everyone before i do that start thinking about uh, your questions i do want to ask one final question from uh, from our end uh what is the one tip that you give any agent whether they're new or just really need to get a deal let's say i need to get a deal right now in the next 30 days i need to find a transaction what is the one tip that you give them that can help i would say join a team join a team and be part of an established um, uh, corporation versus trying to do it on your own. There's no way uh, an agent starting out there can compete with a team that has the knowledge, the marketing, the branding, the exposure uh, versus you trying to do it on your own. That's really like my one advice that I could give to all the people who are trying to start out there. I, uh, my, I would say team, no team. Um, the biggest thing that I could say is I, I call it swim through, swim through the shit. Uh, don't pick up just every shit that talks to you. Uh, pick up the shit that actually wants to talk to you because they need something right now. So meaning that we have a lot of people as agents that ask us, Hey, I want to buy a house. Hey, I want to sell a house. I want to buy a house. They're not clients. The clients that we need to focus on, on and in are the clients that need something in the next two to four weeks. 
Yeah, but as a new agent starting out with a lack of guidance from somebody no, no, but that I, knows but I think what the question was, how do we get, how do we get it? The, the deal is you talk to as many people as possible to identify a person that needs something now and you focus your full attention on that person, to, but you first need to qualify that person and their need to actually do something. So if somebody is losing the house, somebody needs to sell because of a divorce, somebody is going through a bankruptcy, somebody is moving jobs, they need to sell. That's your client. A client that says, let's test the price point and see if it happens. That's not a real seller. That's a seller who wants to see what happens. You're not gonna make money on that seller. A buyer that says, I don't need to buy unless I get this type of a deal and there's nothing in that area for that type of a price, that's not a real buyer. A buyer that says, listen, I want to buy in this price point and there's multiple homes available in that price point and you're hustling to find them that property or that deal, that's a buyer that needs to get something in today. That's who you, as a new agent or as a struggling agent or as any agent, that's the people that we want to focus on and give our full 100% attention to and care to. That, that would be my best. Qualifications. Qualifying them. Qualifying, absolutely. Qualifying questions, why, when, how, why, for what reason, when. You know, the, the questions that are important to us as, as people who we, we don't get paid if we don't deliver. But A very important question that uh, everybody should start adding is making sure that nobody has uh, taken advantage of the forbearance that the banks are offering. Because until... Like you said earlier, the banks are going to be the biggest picture here, whether people are going to qualify or not. Yes. Right now, there isn't a solution for that. They're still being treated as a missed payment or a hardship. And that's going to, a lot of people don't know that, unfortunately. And so they're just skipping the payments because it's so easy to do so. And the yes. banks are allowing them to do so. But if they want to buy in the next year, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be definitely something that will hurt them. Uh, so I did allow for everybody to unmute. So if you have a question, please unmute yourself, uh, introduce yourself, and just go ahead and ask your question. Not all at once. No. Wait, I think Rosalene is trying to speak. So let's go back to the coming soon. <laughs> so I have... Um, new construction that uh, we don't have a choice. We have to list it and not to wait until it's gonna be better. And I have like uh, homes that they're a good fit for first home buyers, but we cannot show them right now because uh, it's occupied. Um, so your suggestion is to do, to put it in the MLS and then to put it on hold and still do the marketing. Rosalind, you, you can now show occupied houses. Yeah. But if the the if there are tenants, for example, and they don't feel comfortable having people inside the house, because people that, that would that would be that would be a question to an attorney. I'm not sure uh, about tenants, but if the home if the home is owner occupied and the seller wants to sell. We are allowed to show the house. We cannot show to more than two people at the same time. So, but we are we are allowed to show uh, occupied properties. So, uh, if it's tenant occupied property, again, are you going to be selling it to a, a, a landlord or somebody who's going to want to invest in it with a tenant in place, or is it an owner user who's going to be buying a property with a tenant in place? That's a different different type of buyer. 
if, if somebody, if you feel like if it's a deal going to go to an investor who's going to keep the property as an investment property, they don't need to walk into the house until the home is in escrow for inspections only. But if it's an owner user, then obviously they would need access to the property. So, so let's say the homeowner doesn't feel comfortable putting it right now in the market yeah. and he wants to wait until, you know, everyone actually can go out and work as usual. So this way we can show the house without the tenants. So I recommend to put it active and then to put it on hold. Um, if, if you can't show if, but the thing is, if you're marketing, if you're marketing the house, uh, will you be able to sell the house or would the tenant not let you even get into the home? Cause that's a major question. If a tenant, if, if the tenant is not going to let you in, there's no point of you marketing the house because if what happens when you get, when you get to the inspections or an appraisal or vendors appointment, you're not going to be able to show the property. So that means you won't be able to fulfill the contract of your seller. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, a, it's a, that's, that's an important part that you need to find out from your client first. But if they will give you access, then, then I would list the property either on hold or in coming soon and, and start marketing the property. Okay. And also the MLS is not putting days on market. So the property is not gonna get uh, you know, data and it's not gonna have 30, 60, 90 days on the MLS anymore. So it, it's gonna just stay at zero, which is very helpful to all of us. Okay. Do we have any other questions? I was gonna actually, I was gonna actually ask you guys about what it's like um, running a team as a as a husband and wife, and um, and being able to juggle that you know family fun activities, marketing, you know. Uh, but it's it's you kind of answered with the whole compromising and you know really making sure uh, the other one gets what they need. Uh, if it's time to themselves, if it's time out, if it's whatever it is. So um, that was one question that 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 I I was discussing and wanted to bring up and and wanted to. Um, really have you guys elaborate on that for you guys just really hit that and and explain it so my follow-up to that would be um hold on, hopefully my choppy i'm getting these internet uh messages here all right um so my question is how do you guys um Put a pause, like pause your your business and and transition over to your personal life. Like, do you guys have your rule? Okay, no phone at the dinner table, or no calls after 7 p.m. Or do you guys have those rules? Some people need those, some people don't. You guys may need to, you know, like if you check out, you check back in, and you know what I mean. It might be like tag team thing. So, how do you guys There's do it? There's two. Can you hear me? Absolutely, no, hundred percent. There's two sides to to the answer. You know, a lot of times it is so helpful for us to be in the industry together. You know, because obviously I, I run the internal operation of the team, and Dennis runs the external operation. When we come home, a lot of times we when we it's helpful to have each other there to discuss the business. There are so many questions that I have for him 
throughout the day that happen with marketing, branding, like where we're going with this property, what kind of, what are we doing here? What are we doing there? So it's helpful. And a lot of times I'm so much more understanding of what he's going through being involved in the industry. Because a lot of times when he's stressed, when he is, you know, moody, it has nothing to do with me. And I know that, you know, where a lot of married couples, when they, they tend to take that very sensitively and personally, you know, when the husband comes home and they're in a bad mood, they don't know what's going on. They don't want to talk about it. In a, in, on the positive note, I already know what's happening. And so I'm more sensitive to him and I'm more nurturing caring towards that. But on the negative side, of course, you know, it's, I feel a lot of times we don't have a minute to just be like a couple and talk about things that are not business related. Like, I just want to talk about, I don't know, like, like what do couples talk about that's not business related, like restaurants yeah. and other couples. And a lot of times when we do get together and kids are finally are in bed and we have that moment, you know, it's like we, we're all work, 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 work. And we, we lose that, but we, we try, we try to, you know, balance it. Chuck, I've been, we've, I, we've been in sales or I've been in sales since, uh, since I was 18 years old. Right. I mean, all from the lending, uh, lending days. So it, we've, we've worked much harder before kids. Uh, so we're, we're, we're kind of accustomed to this constant grind and constant phone calls. And we do our best between both of us to understand what's going on. Yes, it's very difficult. Yes, it's, there's no secret how to do it correctly unless you shut off. I try to be home at least one full day every week without, a, without an actual interruption to go out of the house so we could do something or go somewhere, parks, you know, museums, whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's, I don't think there's a proper answer to, to your question if, you have a, if you're self-employed and you're running your own business because you know a lot of people rely on you and the time where people are not working that's the time they want to talk to you you know when somebody has a big job they don't have time to call you at three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon during business hours they'll call you at 5 36 7 30 and mm -hmm. want to discuss their life problems with their situation on their house or their financial situation whatever it is so it there's I would love to give you that uh, we have it figured out, but I, I don't think I don't think we do yet. Maybe maybe one. So, so we're so gonna I'll, actually I'll, leave I'll, it to to one uh, one one uh, one or two last questions because we're coming up on forty five minutes. I want to respect everybody's time, um, so we'll just take one or two uh, last questions. I think uh, uh, Jessica and Rosaline both look like they want to say something. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Anna. You're so beautiful. Oh, thank you. So are you? Dennis, you're all right, too. <laughs> um, I am a loan officer, and I had a question that's really not COVID-19 or corona-related. Um, what do you guys or your team look for when you guys, like, do you have, first of all, do you have a dedicated uh, loan officer or mortgage team that you work with? And what do you guys look for when you choose that person? Great question. It's a great question. Um, I would say we have several from brokers to lenders to bank offices that we deal with and every situation is different and we try to qualify that client or who they're going to need by their profession, whether they're self-employed or company employed. You know, we have different avenues. We know that that bank or that institution will, will work better with that client. Um, but uh, may I could tell you just the biggest thing for me when Especially with the loan officers, just the communication and being upfront 
of what they feel their ratios are and really understanding the system themselves. A lot of loan officers now don't know their guidelines from the bank themselves and they don't study them. So when you ask them a question of what's the back end ratio and how many months of seasoning and you know what can you do here? Can we do an interest only loan? What's the reserves like? They don't have the answers that they need themselves. So I would say Super knowledgeable. Knowledge of their own product and what their niche product is. I think of all people, Dennis is really hard on loan officers just because he's been in that field. He knows that industry in and out. So it, he can very quickly identify people, you know, who know what they're doing and people that don't. And I think you get like very frustrated with people that if he feels the, uh, you know, any lack of knowledge of that industry. But I, but I think every every institution, every bank or every broker has their nature, their, their really go-to, uh, right? Their go-to loan that they go to. Like everybody knows for whatever you do well, they know to call you or they know to refer you that, that type of a client. Like if you have a niche, you gotta have a niche that you're great at and you gotta have some some box that you just know how to get around and, and do. I, I think that's having knowledge and experience in your own guidelines is important to me. I mean, at least what I look forward. Thank you. Should work with Jessica because she's underwriting the file ahead of ahead of time, which most loan officers don't do anymore at all. Where they collect the right. papers, they don't look at the bank statements, they don't look at the credit report. They go like, "Oh yeah, it looks good." They submit it to the bank and the non-director goes, what is this? What is that? Whoa, there's a deposit here for 300000 Well, You killed the deal without even looking at the bank statement yourself. If you would have told me that bank statement was no good, some potentially there's another bank statement I could have given to you. And that's your rep the reputation. That you so go off knowledge of your own product and underwriting your own product before it gets to the underwriter would be super, to me, would be super important. That's really good that you say that. I actually think to, to just to add to that very quickly, it's also having confidence as any person in sales, whether you're a realtor or in lending or anything like that, having confidence to lead the client because sometimes we're so afraid of losing a deal that we don't ask the right questions. But when you have that confidence and you wanna be able to deliver real results and you do the all of the questions up front, uh, I think that's the difference between making a deal work or not. And people unfortunately are afraid of asking too much up front because they don't have that commitment yet from the client. And that's where sometimes we find a lot of issues. 100%. So Rosaline, last question. It looks like you wanted to ask something. Yes, I'm full of questions with them. <laughs> um, this is the question that I'm being asked every day. And I was wondering what you think about it. Uh, everyone is asking if the prices will go down. I see that they go down the existing houses uh, before it started. Prices are being dropped, but what will be in a few months? I was wondering what you think. Um, Rosalie, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, mean, I don't think anybody who is, I don't think there's a smart, my hope and I, I work off of being, I, you know, I, I could, I'm very proud to say that my team really focuses in one area alone. You know, we don't sell houses in Malibu and in Beverly Hills and we, we just don't. So I could only keep my nose to, to the concrete or to the ground and to the dirt and really tell you about what's going on in around my sector and around our neighborhoods. I think, which I'm not sure what area you're in, but to 
to me, I'm very optimistic that we're not going to see major price reductions in the hot pockets of the Studio City area, Sherman Oaks areas, where people could buy a home with combined incomes, whether it's partners buying a house together or husband and wives buying a house together. We're dealing with a buyer that usually has two incomes. And when you have two incomes and then you're in the market of two incomes, usually uh, we have a better chance than, than other markets where there's one buyer. Rosaline, Rosaline, I can I can tell you with certainty, I am a hundred percent sure that the market will either go up or down fifty percent. That's or what I can do. <laughs> that's 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 some good advice, Chuck. And actually, I wanted I wanted to say something else uh, to Rosaline regarding the uh, coming soon and things like that. I know you're concerned about that. A lot of people are concerned about that. There's an Instagram page called, uh, I was using it before COVID hit, um, uh, pre-MLS 2020, you uploaded there and you're able to kind of network with other people that are looking for what you have. So. It's, it's something else. I know we were sharing on like share online Facebook, but they kind of shut that down this morning. Um, so yeah, pre-MLS 2020 on Instagram, you can see inventory, you can post your own stuff. Oh, I'll be right back. Well, on that, on that note, I would like to thank okay, so we uh, both to... uh, Yana and Dennis for joining us. We've taken enough of your time. You guys have been incredible. Thank you. She has a she. She's doing a Zoom call with school guys. I'm so sorry. No, no, that, this is exactly this is exactly what everybody's going through. So it's uh, it, it was perfect timing. So thank you again, uh, Dennis and Yana, for joining us. All right. So again, just uh, to wrap up, thank you guys very much for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure. It was always good to learn from people that are doing what we're all trying to get to. Uh, so thank you for taking the time. I know we went a little bit over. And uh, next week, we're going to be here, same place, same time, uh, Thursday, 2 o'clock. Uh, if you want, subscribe either on YouTube or just follow our notifications. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you so you much, everyone. Bye. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.